Praise God. I'm not sure, um, you know, how you came to be here today or what, what you came uh, here for. Uh, I pray um, you're, you're uh, in some way like me that you came to hear from God, to hear what God is doing, to um, have your life molded or changed. That's really why I come um, before him and uh, with you. So I hope that you come for the same reasons. Um, I don't know if you're, <clears throat> I don't know what you do in your spare time. Um, I know a lot of us are very busy these days with a lot of different things that, that are in our lives. It seems like we're always going somewhere. Um, but one of the things that I'm kind of fascinated with right now, and I've always been, if you, know, if you knew me for a while, you'd know that I, I've always kind of been a movie buff, a bit of a movie guy. And um, it, it's funny to me because I've, I've probably watched way too much television, like that statistic about, you know, how you'll grow up, you know, um, too many t- hours in front of TV being bad for you, that probably is manifesting me. Uh, watch a lot. And, and you know what? I'm always amazed by it because if you watch something long enough, you see enough of it, you start to see the patterns kind of emerge. You know, there are people that believe if you study large sets of data long enough, you'll see patterns emerge, you know we're there. And one of the things I've been fascinated by lately um, is this idea of the hero. You know, I don't know if you're like me. I love a good hero. Did anybody go see um, Hunger Games? Has anybody read the book, Hunger Games? If you went and seen it, raise your, raise your left hand. and went and seen the movie. If you read the book, raise your right hand. <laughs> the nerds are all like, I'm not raising my hands, okay? It's okay. I, I actually read the book because um, I heard this, all this fervor in the middle school about it. These, all these middle schools are like, man, this is the best book. And you know what I did? I'm like, I'm going to read what they're reading. So I went and read it. Um, it was really good. And, uh, and I started, we went and saw that. I just started thinking about that, that what is in us, that role, that expectation of a hero, you know? I mean, maybe you didn't see the movie. That's okay. I'm not going to ruin anything for you or read the book, right? I'm not going to ruin the movie for you either way. But um, there's, if you look at, there's this typical thing that happens in movies. And it's usually about, I want to know, about three quarters way through the movie, you know? If you think about how it works, like, it, it's, it's like the first when you come into the theater and you sit down and you're eating your popcorn, everybody's being loud and stuff. And it's like an introduction to the characters. You're like, oh, who's this guy? And you're watching. I don't know who he is. Is he a good guy, a bad guy? I don't know. And then the movie develops, and you get to know him. You're like, oh, that's, that's crazy. Oh, this guy's got some, some talent. He's pretty good. At, and you're watching it develop about three-quarters way through the movie. What you'll find is your hero in a predicament. Well, he's not your hero yet, you see. This happens about an hour in a 90-minute movie, about an hour and 10. You'll find him set in there. And, 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 it, it, and almost... All, and if you think about it, this is true. And, and, and by the way, okay, so you're probably thinking action hero, right? If you're like me, you know. Um, but there's a whole other side that's like the, 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 the chick flicks. Chick flicks have heroes in it. Like guys, I don't know if you're, you know, don't like to do, the, and I'm sorry if it offends you that I call them chick flicks. I haven't said which ones yet, by the way. Notebook. I'm just saying there's some <laughs> that you have to suffer through if you love your your wife, okay? And so, uh, but there, there's, a, there's a moment in the, where it's poignant and you, you've got some investment in this character and, and you wonder, what, what are they going to do? And there's a dilemma and they're not heroes yet. You see, because this is a heroic moment. And if you're like me, you lean forward in your seat and you're all done with your popcorn. You're telling people, what's he going to do? What are they going to do? We're starting a new series for the next two or uh, three weeks, counting this week, next uh, two weeks after this, uh, called the Passion Series. 
and, and, and it's going to be talking about how passion, how pa- this, this passion is a gift from God. It's God's plan and how it shows up in our everyday life. I, I think that um, when we watch that, that hero on the screen, we want to know, are you going to do the right thing? We've already made our minds up what the right thing is. Are you going to make, are you, are you going to go for it? Are you going to do it? I think it's an old story that we keep retelling every year. And the box offices are, and they make millions of dollars. And I understand that's not the point. The point is that we're telling each other the story over and over again about a hero. About a hero. What are they going to do today? I, I think that, that we see this in Christ Jesus. And it's really funny because the same people who will have no time or no uh, attentiveness or no care for the sovereign uh, God of the universe, let alone the son who died a heroic death for us, will sit in the theaters and just weep. Wow. Because there's something in us that knows there's a hero. That knows there's a hero. Well, today we're going to start this first week of the, this um, passion series, and we're going to kind of talk through the reality of Jesus' uh, heroic example. Of, 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 and, and I want to not stop there, of how we can live it in our lives, how it can change everything if we dare to believe and if we dare to follow his lead in being the hero. Uh, we're going to be working from uh, the Gospel of Luke today. If you brought a Bible, I'm going to invite you to, to get it out. And uh, if you didn't, you can grab one of ours. Uh, you'll notice it says Luke 22 and 23. That's two chapters. We're not going to cover all two chapters. I would encourage you, if you're looking for something to read this week. By the way, this is Holy Week. We talked about that earlier. You know, Friday is Good Friday. And um, we're doing some things in the community together to remember as a community of faith what Jesus has done, what he did on our behalf. And, um, and next... Uh, Sunday is Easter Sunday, the celebration, not of, it's funny how much this stuff has gotten to where it's not even about Jesus at all, um, but it's really about, the, the holiday is about the resurrection of Christ. And so we're going to be studying these two um, chapters of the Gospel of Luke today together, kind of hearing this, this model and kind of fleshing it out a little bit, how it can look in our lives. But before we do, I'm going to ask if you, you got your Bible open there, I appreciate you opening that already. I'm going to ask you to put your finger in there a second, and I'm just going to ask you to uh, join me in praying for God's uh, wisdom and insight today. Father, this, this morning we've come here and we've sang great words, great words, Lord. As I said them from my mouth, they spoke into my heart and soul about the reality of who you are, of the work you've done in Jesus. And yet there's something that's too great for us to understand fully. We, we get closer, but we don't fully know. And today, Father, I pray that you would help us um, to know even more. I ask that your Holy Spirit would be present, speaking that you would use my mouth, but not just mine, but all the hearts and minds that are here to bring glory to Jesus Christ, to bring us, our very selves, nearer to you. And uh, Father, may we be an encouragement to one another, and may we be blessed, and, but just really longing, Father, for you to intercede today. Do your work among us, and may we glorify you as we go along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, we're going to kind of talk today um, in, in this, uh, this first thing, this idea of uh, uh, how a hero can change everything. 
And your hero has to have passion. They have to have passion. And that's kind of this first look. We're going to be looking all three weeks about different angles on passion. But the first one, I want to talk about some of these things. And I've kind of labeled it, for lack of a better term, marks of a hero. You know, that there are these kind of identifying things that you go, yeah, that, that's, that makes sense. That's how it works. That's what, it's kind of like the movie thing. You've always known at that moment in the movie, you're like, oh, what's going to happen? But you didn't know why, maybe. You know, I mean, I didn't know why until I started thinking about it in light of what God has done and the reality of those promises that we cling to each and every time. So we're going to talk about the marks of a hero. And uh, today is uh, what, what's normally known as Palm Sunday. Um, and we have some palm fronds in the back. We brought those in this morning. But it's, it's something about this kind of a, a beginning. And I bring that up because one of the first, and I want you to see this with me, but one of the first um, marks of a hero, and we said it already with that kind of introduction, <clears throat> is that they act when the time has come. I mean, that's the whole point of the poignant moment in the film. Because everything before that would be wasted if in that very moment they didn't do the right thing. They, they didn't act appropriately when the opportunity presented itself. As a matter of fact, I would say that this is a defining moment of what it means to be a hero. For anyone, whether it's made up Hollywood stuff or you and me real life, that in that moment of decision, when the time has come, when the time has reached its fullness and there's an opportunity to make a choice to do what we're called to do or to shirk back from that, that you and I step up and do what we're called to do. This comes actually in the uh, Gospel of Luke. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. You can flip it if you want, but leave your finger in 22, I promise, because what I want you to see is that back in, in chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke, there's this very small verse, and it kind of happens in the middle of a bunch of other stuff that Jesus is doing, so it might get lost a little bit. Um, but... It's kind of the defining moment uh, for Jesus in his ministry. And what's really wild is as you look um, together, uh, if you look at what's between the ninth chapter and the 22nd, all that stuff, I mean, it's not much. It's like a few pages here, right? But, but there's a lot of red letters in there. You know, if you've ever even never been to church, you'll have heard some of these things before, these truths that Jesus taught. But all of these things happen after this defining moment uh, for Jesus. It comes in the, uh, chapter 9, verse 51. And, or 50, uh, yeah, 51. And it's so simple. It says, as the time approached for Jesus to be taken to heaven... He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Some of the other uh, verses or some of the translations of the Bible said he set his face toward Jerusalem. Now, I know if you've been here a while, I've talked about this before because I think there's something profound in Jesus' determination. That, that in this moment, by the way, it's no small thing that it was in the middle of kind of start, starting to have some struggles, starting to have some difficulties with the ministry. He had called the disciples. He had sent out apostles. He had, they had done great works. They, the, the, they had sent, they had gone to the countryside, come back. They were excited, everything. And then things get hard. And what the word says is that at the time when it began to draw near, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. He made a decision that he was going to go all the way. This is a heroic moment. It's the moment that he's, he's just going to do it. 
And, and we know the story. It's funny because we're coming into Easter week, and it's great to remember, but we, most of us know the story. We could almost tell it from memory. But all, I was amazed. I was reading from cha- verse 10 all the way, or chapter 10 all the way through cha- chapter 22. All those things, all the amazing encounters, all the conversations, all the miracles, all that work happened while he had his face set toward a different goal. You know, what's hard to believe about that is that you and I would have a tendency maybe to believe that those things he did along the way were the point. That, that as he went to Jerusalem, these things, we, I've done it before, we take those out and we go, oh, look at how cool that one thing is he did. Look how cool that one thing. But Jesus never stopped pressing for Jerusalem. He never stopped And it all began in that moment when he acted, when the time was right. I said it's a defining mark. Some of you I know are really involved as this beautiful day today uh, begins to unfold for us, this gorgeous day um, that we have so many activities playing outdoors and stuff. I I know a lot of you guys are athletes, so a few of us got out and kind of played a little ball. And man, I tell you, it's been a long winter. You know, you feel it. This same principle is what we have in sports and athletics. You know, why do we train? Why do we take batting practice? Why do we go take some swings? Why do we go to, if you're, if you're um, working in the corporate world, why do you go and you go to training for two weeks before you come back? Because you're going to learn what you need to do, but it doesn't matter. Listen now. It doesn't matter if you don't do it when the time has come. You know what I'm saying? You could practice, 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 but if you get in the game and you don't apply, you don't react, you don't do what you're taught to do, it doesn't mean anything. Everything, everything that we do is building to that moment when we respond. This is true for firefighters. You know, we're amazed when we watch firefighters that would run into a building that's on fire. We stand at a distance and we go, wow, who would do that? Or if you see a police officer who, who gets under fire and he gets down by his car and he doesn't run back away, but he actually finds a way to advance the position to get a better, he's working. Why? How do you do that? He's been trained. Guess what? If there was, if there was no work ahead of time when that time come, he, he wouldn't know what to do, but he's been trained. In this moment, he acts. Now, guess what? I just said two things about the firefighters, the police. What do we call them? Those guys are heroes. Now, what if that same training had happened and that moment came and that guy just said, no, I'm, I'm out of here, man. That's too crazy. You guys going ahead without me. We would never say, that's a hero. How many times in our life are we like that? I'm going to ask that question again. I mean, how many times in our life are we on the edge of great? We are right there. And the moment we just go, I don't think so. That defines a hero, that moment. Jesus made a decision to press his face toward Jerusalem, and he pressed on. There was something I came across this week as I was preparing, and I was, I was tentative to use it because i got to be honest with you, there's so much emotion and stuff, but it's kind of unfair not to mark it as a heroic moment. There was a guy named Todd Beamer. You probably know his name. He was on a flight on September 11th, and a bunch of the crew were on the last plane, and they saw things going wrong. 
And they had to do something. You know him because you know what he said, don't you? He said, are you guys ready? Let's roll. So much about that story is crazy. The fact that we even know the story is a gift because his call was redirected. He tried to call one place and got past this person and past another person. You know, one of the things that he did, and I'm just saying it because it's true, because, you know, the world doesn't want to admit these are what heroes are made of. But one of the things he did is he asked to recite the Lord's Prayer with the person, a complete stranger on the phone, before he had the courage, the audacity in the moment to say, let's do what we have to do. You know, my son and I went to D.C. on the Harley-Davidson a couple years ago, and we were rolling back, and I have this weird thing where I don't like to go the same way twice, you know what I mean? So if I go to point A to point B, I don't go to point B to point A, I don't go to point A to point B to point C to point D to point A, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of weird, but that's how I work. And so we went out to D.C., we were coming back, and I'm just like trying not to hit the same highways again, and we're driving along, and there's this little bitty sign, I mean, it's a little bitty sign that's on the side of the road, and it said Flight 93, Pennsylvania. And I was like, wow, right by it. I said to my son in the back, screaming, did you see that? And he's like, what? Did you? Now, there's a conflict here because I'm going out of my way to not go back the same way, but I have an obligation to be home to my wife. <laughs> and I pull off the road and I turn around. And I mean, this is little rinky-dink, handmade, looks like a yard sale, you know, come by toddler clothes kind of a sign on the side of the road. I thought, that can't be the flight night. Who puts a sign up? And I turn, and you know what? Crazy is crazy. I go down this road, and it's like houses, and it's weird. It's dusty. There's nothing. There's nothing. And then all of a sudden, I get there, and there's a national, what I call the forest ranger, the, the um, National Park Service guy. And sure enough, here's a gravel parking lot and a small building. I mean, it's so ordinary. It's going to be a, a monument to the decision. Why? Because in the moment the action was taken, the moment that happened, there's this <laughs> beautiful thing that we remember on Palm Sunday that Jesus epitomized. He made that forever in his decision to not shirk away from Jerusalem. It's so beautiful, and we see it, and we honor it. We honor it automatically everywhere else in our life. One last thought, and then I want to press on into the word here. But, you know, if you don't believe that, what heroes are made of. I talked about athletic training and stuff. If you've ever been a little kid, a little boy, I should say, not that it can only be boys, and you're playing wiffle ball, and you're just messing around, there's not a real game going on, what do you always say? If you're just messing around now, you're not really playing, because when you're playing, it's a little too hard to be this, you know, you can't. But whenever you're, you're just taking some cuts, you're up there, and what do you say? You say... World Series, ninth inning, two outs. Why? It's a heroic moment. You're building it up. What are you doing? You're practicing. Because if I ever get there, if I'm ever there, and it's the ninth inning, and, and there's two outs, and I've got a full count, and then it's the World Series, if I'm ever there, I'm prepared to act. That's in us. <laughs> I just praise God for that. That he gives us a passion to long, this desire to see it, this need for a hero.
So the first mark is to really act when the time is right. This is something identifying unique thing about the heroes that we see in our lives. And uh, I pointed out to you that Jesus made a decision in Luke 9. He also, um, if you read through there, I would just encourage you to do that if you want to. Uh, it's a phenomenal if you just walk from the time he made the decision to the time he got to Jerusalem. So here's the thing. So we're going to jump into Luke 22 now, I told you. Let's read with me. Uh, Luke 22, 39. Uh, through 42, we're going to read. This is what the word says. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching this place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not what my, my will, but yours be done. There's this reality for a hero that he trusts God completely. Now, this one might strike you as funny because you might say, well, I know a lot of heroes and they don't really trust God completely. But if you listen closely to the language, if you listen close to what they're saying, they believe there's something greater. They do. Because a hero can't exist without a larger cause. There's nothing to be passionate about if there's nothing more than what we see right now. And in this moment, Jesus demonstrates for us in the Garden of Gethsemane this absolute 100% confidence. By the way, I will point out to you, he's been practicing for this moment too. You see, it's not the first time he's gone to be alone in prayer. It's not the first time that he's challenged his disciples to pray and pray fervently and pray earnestly. And so here Jesus gives us the example of being utterly and completely dependent on God to trust him with what's coming. We can't miss that because too often in life it seems insurmountable, and it is. But Jesus gives us this example that no matter, I want you to think about the reality he's facing. And by the way, we jumped ahead a whole bunch here, but here he is, and he's getting closer, and it's still the most important thing that he would stop and take time and just totally say, God, if there's any other way to do this. But he said, not what I want, but what you want. And he gives it over. It's a mark of a hero to be completely, utterly, 100% sold out, believing, belonging, and clinging to the promises of God. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The next is this, and this is what happens for a lot of us, right? It's a challenge for a lot of us. But a mark of a hero is to face reality. You know what I mean? Like Jesus didn't go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray and sweat blood and cry out and long and watch the disciples fall asleep because they're bored with what's happening because he wasn't knowing what was happening. The next thing that he does is he's handed over in the Gospel of Luke. I want to read um, a few verses, picking up in verse 49 of the Gospel. And this is what the Word says. You probably know this story, but I want you to hear it today differently. He says, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, oh, I got the wrong verse. They said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant, the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Here it goes. But Jesus answered him, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. See, here he is, and he knows what he's facing with this group that's come to take him away. He knows what's coming. He's not in denial. That's where a lot of us live our lives. We don't know, it's, we're like, eh, we'll pray about it and we hope it's going to be not that hard. But Jesus faces reality at every turn. I love that what he asks, he says, am I leading a rebellion? 
you know, when they come to take him. He knows exactly what's going on. I, I love that we're allowed to be honest, you know. And I love that even, even in the response of the disciples here where they start drawing swords, because he had told them, be ready for a fight. And when they draw the swords, he's like, no, 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 you know. That we're allowed to be that honest about what we're struggling with, facing reality. I love that in his prayer. Did you notice in Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane before he's handed over, he says, if there's another way to do this, let's don't. Who, who, who gets to pray that way? Heroes are always honest. They don't live in denial. They face the facts. And you and I, and that's one of the, one of the key things that we can do is admit where we really are. Man, that's hard. That's a hard thing to do. Face up what we're, and not take shortcuts, you know, because those guys were like, hey, let's just end this right now. And he's like, no, I'm going to Jerusalem. He'd been telling them that for a while. All right, the next thing I want you to see in verse 54. This is kind of all I am. These are marks of a hero. Verse 54, he says, Then uh, seizing them, they led Jesus away and took him to the house of the high priest. Now, why would I point that out to you? And I called it this, a hero needs to be willing to be holy. Now, this might sound weird because you go, okay, great, so now we've got to be like all, oh, you know, the glow and the halo and the church boy and all that stuff. Being holy doesn't mean what we've, being holy means being set apart. It means there's going to come a time in your life that you have the opportunity to be different. Different than you've ever been. And you'll know it when you see it. And in this moment, I want you to see what happens because Jesus at this point had, had taken a few guys with him to the garden to pray. Come pray with me that, that we, you might not fall asleep, that you might know. And, and he invites them. But at this moment when he's handed over, he goes alone. As a matter of fact, and we don't have time to get into this, but you'll recall that Peter said, no way, man. I'm going where you're going. And Jesus said, you won't even admit that you know me, Peter. And it came true the most faithful, the rock, said, who, Jesus, what? I don't know who that guy is. There comes a time in a hero's life where he's set apart, he's set aside. This is his whole call, you know, uh, in the book of Ephesians, we've been reading how it says to the saints, it's the same word, it's holy, it's set aside. It's those that God has, has moved over here. And there'll come a time in the journey where it's you and you have to be willing to be holy, to go it alone when necessary, to be set apart for what? The purpose that you've been trained for, the purpose you've been called to. I think it's a mark of a disciple to be willing to be set aside like that. And Jesus did it. He went right with him into un, un, uh, unfamiliar hands. I mean, he was pretty sure that whoever was gonna care for him wasn't gonna like wash his feet with oil anymore, right? Here's the next thing that I think is really um, phenomenal out of this uh, reading of Luke is that a mark of a hero is being willing to suffer fools. And I don't know if you even know what this means. I love the way, because I think this is what I, we see in Scripture here. When Jesus is led away, it starts right there when it says he is led away. Um, they were seized him and he was led away uh, to the house of the high priest, right? And, and, but they literally passed Jesus around. 
I mean, I want you to think about it. This is God incarnate. This is the one that, Jesus, that Paul, uh, Peter said, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is the one that healed multitudes. This is the one that spoke waves to shut up, be quiet, calm down, I'm here, it's okay. And to this person, this being, these fools began to move him around like he was a puppet, like he was a child. And I go, I read the way Jesus is treated. This is known as the passion of Christ as he is, he is tortured and he is beaten. And, and I read it and I go, Jesus, why don't you do something? And I look and I see he's just, he's just suffering fools. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea who they're doing it to. And I think that for you and I in our lives, when we begin to really be passionate about something, there will be plenty of people around that are going to say, that's not going to, we aren't going there. And I think the model we get from Jesus is crazy because he's like, just go anyway. Walk right amongst them. Listen, I want to read you a few things um, that, uh, that are recorded here about how he suffered these, these fools, as I say. It's... Um, Verse 66, at daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, these are the ones that Jesus had been confounding with questions, met together, and Jesus led before them, and they said, if you were the Christ, tell us, right? And then, and then later on, it said, um, when that whole assembly was aggravated, was frustrated, they led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him in front of Pilate. And so Pilate in verse 3 of chapter 23 says, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, It is exactly as you say. And Pilate don't know what to do with this guy. And so Pilate talks about it as if that isn't enough. If that isn't enough, he's been, he's been mocked and beaten and scorned. He's been passed from the chief priest to Pilate, the ruling authority, the legal authority. And then Pilate hands him off to this guy named Herod. And look in verse 8 with me because this guy is probably the biggest fool. Because listen, and, and I, I say biggest fool because it's, it's so self-convicting. Because this is what Herod says when he meets Jesus. He was really happy to finally meet the real Jesus because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some great miracle. Do you see what's happening? To the sovereign God of the universe. He's looking like a toy. Man, I've been waiting so long to meet you, Jesus. Dance. Dance for me. Show me some razzle-dazzle. I tell you, I say suffering fools because I think in my own heart and life how many times... I approach Jesus like that. Dance, Jesus, if it's you, the sovereign God of the universe. He hands him off. It says, he plied him with many questions. Look at what Jesus did in verse 9. Jesus said nothing. The chief priests and the teachers began to accuse him vehemently. And Herod and the soldiers mocked him and ridiculed him. They dressed him in an elegant robe, and they sent him back to Pilate. That's crazy that Jesus was treated that way. And it's even crazier that he just went. He just went along. There will always in our life be scoffers and mockers, those who do not understand, those who don't agree or don't want to agree, or I would even say don't want to see you succeed. 
And Jesus says, you just go, just suffer fools. Let them have their day. There's no other explanation for his behavior. That's really funny. We can't, I, I was going to skip it, I just can't. You know what the word says next? Before that day, Herod and Pilate were enemies. And they became friends. They became friends because of Jesus. That's crazy. The next thing, you know what happens. The crowd outside, Jesus is back with Pilate. And they're, the crowds, what are they screaming? They're screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And, and, and Pilate, he's a, he's a smart guy. And he's like, you know, I think I've got a way out of this. I think I've figured this out. I can, I can save Jesus and I can get this crowd to go away. And it's all going to be okay because I can set somebody free. And he brings out Jesus and he brings out this guy named um, Barabbas. And Barabbas, it says, is accused of, uh, of rioting and he's accused of murder. And when he brings these guys out and he stands them, he knows they're going to do the right thing. The crowd, they're going to do the right thing. It's a heroic moment. Do the right thing, people. Here you go. I get to set somebody free. Who do you want? And they say, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. A mark of a hero, church, is that you set others free. You set others free. I mean, do you think that that's a unique thing? Do you think that that's a mistake? That on the moment in the podium, in the middle of the, the legal stronghold, and, and with, with supposedly Pilate's right to, to cause Jesus to live or die, that the murderer, the, the guy who causes all kind of mayhem in the world, walks away scot-free. It's the mark of a hero to set others free. We talk about love and caring more about others. This is what we're talking about. It's really, you know, that's the call to set others free. We were talking earlier, how many times, how many times in that moment, that heroic moment in a movie, is it because someone else is going to pay if they don't do the right thing? There's an innocent. There's somebody who's not guilty. They're in a bad spot. We need a hero. A mark of a hero. If they set others free, and Jesus demonstrates it, even in Barabbas, even through the fool Pilate, when he, uh, he is set free. All right. Got two more. We're going to wrap. The next thing is this. A hero is willing to bear the burden. I have no way to say it. A hero is willing to pay the price. A hero is willing to count the cost and go forward any way to do the work he's called to do or she is called to do. In, in chapter uh, 23, verse 26, it says, As they led Jesus away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and they put the cross on him, and they made him carry it behind Jesus I want to remind you that a long time before, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you want to know what you got to do? You got to die to yourself. You got to pick up your cross, and you got to follow me. I was stunned this week as I read and studied and meditated on this word about the view it must have been for Simon of Cyrene. 
He's coming in from the countryside. I don't know what's going on. There's an uproar in Jerusalem. Things have gotten all out of hand, right? It's the holy time. And he shows up, and they ask him to carry the cross for this guy who's beat up, dressed up, and being made fun of. What does it look like to follow Jesus? When he says those words, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. A hero is willing to bear the burden. He's willing to, to suffer, fool. But here, I want you to see this literal thing. This is, this is Holy Week this week. And what we remember is that on the way, Jesus never stopped. And there's this view that we get in Scripture of Simon, who's dragging this cross. And there's two other guys who are accused, dragging their own cross. But he's following Jesus as he walks through the road, being scoffed and being mocked by the crowds. It was quite a scene. A hero is willing to bear the burden to pay the price. And that's what it is. I mean, when we look at it, that moment of sacrifice, that moment of going the whole way, that moment that they're going to do the right thing, they become heroes. And they bear the burden. The last mark is this. Heroes finish what they start. You know? I mean, back in chapter 9, Jesus set his face. We heard earlier from Isaiah the prophet who said, I set my face like flint toward the purposes which I was called. They have this determination. I want you and I, church, to be inspired by that, to be inspired by people who, who won't quit, to be inspired by a Savior who looks at the cross and says, I'm going all the way there. You finish what you start. You don't quit. Verse Uh, 44, read with me in chapter 23. It was now the sixth hour, and darkness had come over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun had stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Listen to the clinging, the desire, the longing, this moment. And he says, when he had said this, Jesus breathed his last. Look at the centurion in verse 47. Seeing what had come to pass, the centurion praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. And all those who bore witness to the sight beat their breasts, pounded their chests, because it wasn't right. This week, this holy week, I want us to remember Jesus. I want us to remember that passion that we're called to, that he demonstrated in his life and his death to go all the way. He finished what he started. Matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, the last recorded word of Jesus in John's Gospel is tetelestai, and it means it is done. I've done everything. And you know what's crazy is we look at that and we go, okay, so, so far, this is a story. Jesus made a decision. He went all the way. All these amazing things happened the way. He got there. He didn't turn. He suffered fools. He finished it out. He did the work and he died. He died. And the crazy, crazy thing, oh, come on, is 
if it ends there, it's nothing but tragedy. Nothing but tragedy. Hollywood can't help to make a blockbuster to somehow. They don't want to. They want to say the hero dies. The hero dies. And that's it. Walk out. But they somehow want to reach into the grave and they want to, they want to bring them back. Because heroes can't die. In the letter of Hebrews, there's another testimony of Jesus' suffering on the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, For the joy set before him, he suffered on the cross. He paid the, for the joy, and I say to God in my prayers. Where's the joy in dying? Where's the joy? What happened? He looked at the cross and he said, this is going to be fun. But what I failed to understand, and I think what many of us failed to understand, is that what Jesus saw didn't end at the cross. He saw a hope. He saw a future. He saw sinners and murderers who ought to be condemned that would be saved. He saw beyond the hope that we can see. And for the joy set before him, I mean for the joy set before Jesus on the other side, he went through the cross. This is the gospel of salvation. And I want to turn it for us because I want to say that we can look beyond our circumstance. God has given us this truth, this gift of eternal life, you and I should no longer be conformed to the ways of the world. We should be longing, not for what we have now, not for how we can preserve what we got, but what we're going to have with him for eternity. That's our inspiration, and that's our hope. And church, listen, that calls us to die to ourselves. I pray today that you and I can have new eyes to see that. We are called to so much more what we have. And I thank God for the hero, the true hero in Jesus. Please join me in praying this morning. Father, as we read the story of your son's death on our behalf, a story, Father, that I apologize because we have made it so bland, so accessible. And Father, today in your house, I feel this profound reality. Today, Father, help us. Help us in every way in our life to fix our eyes on you. Help us to see beyond our current circumstance, beyond our current situation, beyond even our death into your eternal life. Help us live in that place with you, Father, that we can truly be your children, truly do your will in this world. We confess that we don't know, we don't get it. And anything that we've got figured out, Father, we receive as a gift from your hand. And we only come today again to, to receive it. And may you convict hearts and minds. May you lead us forward. And we ask this prayer in the hope, the eternal hope, Father, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.